everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. The topic for this program is, are we saved by God's grace alone, or are we saved by God's grace and my good works? Are my actions, my good deeds, part of my salvation? Well, let's do a one-minute history lesson. <laughs> Back in the early 1500s, there was a German Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther. Luther desperately wanted to know for sure that he was saved. And medieval Catholicism back then taught, we are saved by Christ and by our good works. But Luther never knew if he had enough good works. And at the end of every day, he knew that he had sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that he'd earned hell. But then in 1519, Luther is studying in the tower of the monastery, and he had what's called his tower experience. He's reading Paul's letter to the Romans, and he kind of rediscovers something that had gotten lost. Namely, we're saved by God's grace alone. Therefore, you can be sure you're saved because our salvation does not, hallelujah, depend upon us and how good we are because we're not. It depends 100% on Jesus on the cross and that the, God gives his gift of righteousness to us. It's not our righteousness. It's an alien righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that's imputed to our account. And Luther said when he discovered this from the Book of Romans, quote, I felt myself to be born again and to have gone through open doors into paradise. This passage of Paul, Romans, became to me the gateway to paradise. Luther's discovery changed the history of the world. But the question for this program is, was Luther right? Does the Bible teach we're saved by grace alone or do our good works have a part in our salvation. This can be kind of confusing, but this is an important program. I hope you listen to every word. Would you take out your Bible? Turn with me to James chapter 2. Now, hear this. Some people think that the book of James contradicts Paul's letter to the Romans. Because in Romans chapter 3, Paul says we're saved by faith apart from works of the law. Whereas James chapter 2 teaches we're saved by faith and works. So what's going on here? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Well, I'm going to teach no it isn't, but this can get difficult. So put on your thinking caps and let's pray first. <clears throat> Father, we want to pray that you help us understand salvation properly so we don't become a cult. <laughs> Lord, help us understand how James and Paul maybe use different words but are teaching the same things. So Lord, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> James chapter 2, starting at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself, you are doing well. Here's the first lesson today. God's laws can be condensed down to love your neighbor. All the do's and don'ts of the Old Testament can be condensed down to 
love your neighbor. Anytime you sin, it's because you're either not loving God or you're not loving your neighbor. For instance, if you commit adultery, you are not loving your spouse. If you lie to someone, you are not loving that person you're lying to. If you're stingy with your money toward God, it's because you don't love God that much. And any sin you can think of, it all boils down to this. And Jesus said the same thing. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said, Teacher, said the man, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment. Second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And hear this. On these two commandments, love God and neighbor, depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, the whole Old Testament. Back to James chapter 2, verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Here's the next lesson. Partiality is a sin. If somebody walks into your church with dirty, shabby clothes and kind of stinks, somebody else walks into your church wearing Gucci clothing and smells of expensive perfume, if you, if you show partiality, you're sinning. Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, he's talking about God's law, whoever keeps the whole of God's law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Here's the next lesson. If you want to be saved by God's law, you have to do it all. And the Apostle Paul teaches the very same thing in Galatians 5. I again testify to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who would be justified or declared righteous by the law. You have fallen away from grace. In other words, if you want to be saved by how good you are and how well you keep God's law, good luck because you've got to do it all perfectly. <laughs> The purpose of God's law is to show us our sin. It's not going to save us. It shows us we're not saved. James chapter 2, verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Here's the next lesson. We have all transgressed God's law. And, and some people think, like I said, Paul and James disagree. No, they don't. Paul taught the very same thing as James here. Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in the next chapter, James chapter 3, James will say this, all of us stumble in many ways. So the apostle Paul and James are in agreement, we're all sinners. James chapter 2, verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now we're going to get into the salvation issue. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? Here's the next lesson. Saying you have faith will not save you. If... Someone was to ask me, what are the scariest verses of the New Testament? Here's what, here to me are the most sobering verses of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In other words, it's possible to say, I believe in Jesus, but your whole life is one of lawlessness. And if you're living an impenitent lifestyle of sin, you're not saved, even if you say you believe in the grace of God. I got an angry phone call. And it was a homosexual who saw our TV show. And I have shared on this show that I have struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. But the Bible says you can't practice that behavior and be saved. And if you do practice it, repent, you'll be forgiven. But you can't live in that behavior and be saved. Well, this man was very angry. Who are you to teach that? And I left the Lutheran church because I found a church that accepts me just as I am. I said, well, what church is that? The Unitarian Church. And I said, well, of course the Unitarian Church. In the Unitarianism, you get to invent your own God. You get to invent your own truth. You can be an atheist and be a Unitarian. You can be into witchcraft and be a Unitarian. And I just urged him, I said, 1 Corinthians 6 says, if you continue in homosexual behavior, you're not going to heaven. And I just beg you, I said, get into a good Bible preaching church. Well, pray for him. He, he didn't like what I had to say. But the, the problem today is we want to be able to say, I believe in Jesus, and then live like the devil. If you're, if you're having sex outside of marriage, uh, you're in trouble. Uh, uh, and you know what? The Apostle Paul agrees with James completely. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6. Do not be deceived. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Such were some of you, but you were. Uh, uh, but do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sex outside of marriage, adulterers, idolaters, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, robbers, revilers, drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. In other words, you. If you say you believe in Jesus, but live in impenitent sin, you're not going to be saved. Now, we all sin daily in thought, word, and deed, but there's a difference between sinning and repenting and living in hard-hearted, impenitent sin. Back to James chapter 2, verse 14. If someone says he has faith, but does, that not, but does not have works, can that faith save him? And the answer to that question is no. So here's the big question. Is James in chapter 2 contradicting what the Apostle Paul taught in Romans 3 and what Luther would rediscover, that we're saved by grace and not by our good works? Well, here's where I need to do some explaining. Try to follow this. I'm going to quote a New Testament scholar by the name of Douglas Moo. The appearance of a conflict is created because James and Paul give two key words, faith and justify, two different meanings. And because their arguments are advanced against different errors. In Romans 3, Paul is preaching to some Jewish Christians who think they are saved because they're good. In, Roman, in James 2, James is talking to people who think that they can live like the devil and claim grace. So it's, it's two different audiences. And then... Um, Moose says this, in James 2, faith means bogus faith that neither Paul nor James would regard as genuine Christian faith. And the Lutheran Study Bible says this, Concordia Study Bible, faith in James is not used in the sense of genuine saving faith, but rather it's the kind of faith demons have, that God exists. 
is a useless and a dead faith. It is a mere intellectual acceptance of truths without trusting Christ as Savior. James is also not saying that a person is saved by works and not by genuine faith. Rather, he is saying, to quote Martin Luther, that a man is justified, declared right before God by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Genuine faith will always produce good deeds, but it's still true, only faith in Christ is what saves. In other words, here's here's the point, I hope you get this. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, hallelujah, but grace never is alone. It always changes your life. You won't be perfect till you're in heaven, but we, we don't talk perfection, but we do talk direction. The direction of your life changes once you come to Christ. And if there's no change in your life, you're living in impenitent sin, you haven't experienced grace. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Here's the next question. Are you taking care of the poor? Does any of your money, time, or talents go toward the poor? I have a, had a lady that called and she said, Pastor Brock, in the past you put up two addresses of how you can help the poor. Can you, can you give me those addresses? And I'm going to put them up on the screen right now if we could. Two places is a, that are safe to give your money to because it's not going to go someplace it shouldn't. Samaritan's Purse helps Christians all over the world and non-Christians all over the world who are suffering. Uh, International Christians Concern, I love to give to that because that money goes to help persecuted uh, Christians and their wives and children overseas. But are you doing anything to help the poor? Next verse, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So here's the, the big question for your soul today. Do you have a dead faith that will not save you? Well, I believe Jesus died on the cross. So does the devil. Well, I believe he's the son of God. So does the devil. I believe he rose from the dead. So does the devil. But you know what the devil does not do? The devil does not let Jesus touch his life. And saving faith means not that I just intellectually agree Jesus is alive. It means I trust him. I put my faith in him to forgive my sins, to run my life. I'm a sinner and my only hope is him. Satan never does any of that. So, back to the original question. We're going to wrap it up here, then we'll have Q&A time. But am I saved by grace alone, or am I saved also by my good works? I'm going to answer that out of the mouth of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 2. For by God's grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not because of works, not because of your doing, lest any man should boast. So, so if somebody asks me, how am I saved? Here's what I answer. My only hope on Judgment Day, sinner that I am, is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. The Bible promises me I'm saved by his death on the cross. Hallelujah. It's grace. Grace alone that saves me. But once I'm saved by grace alone, God starts to change me. And I do start producing good works, and they're not my good works. The Holy Spirit produces them through me, so even he gets credit for that part. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, but grace and faith never are alone. They always produce good works. The good works don't save, but they do show you've been saved by grace alone. (laughs) 
hope that helps, and I'm going to close with this. Years ago, I knew a Lutheran Norwegian evangelist. He lived here in Minneapolis. He was going to go preach at a Lutheran church in Wisconsin. And so we went to the weekend, preached, came back, and we said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, you know what the Lutheran church uh, pastor teaches at his church? That Lutheran pastor preaches, you can do nothing for your salvation. You can do nothing for your salvation. It's all by the grace of God. You can do nothing. You can do nothing. And he said, you know what they're doing at that church? They're doing nothing. (laughs) And here's my point. Yes, you can do nothing for your salvation. That's true. But once the grace of God saves you, you end up doing all kinds of things for his kingdom. That's the point. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. I'd just like to take an opportunity to say if you have a question or something that you're questioning in the Bible and that and would like Pastor Brock to talk about it, at the end of the program, you're going to see our website, and we invite you to send those questions, and maybe we can use them on another program. Mm-hmm. So after you've talked about this, I guess my first question for you is, what do you say to a person who says the Bible contradicts itself? Jackie, you know, I'm, as I get older, my memory ain't so great, but fairly recently, I think, somebody said to me, I was confronting her with what the Bible said about something, and her response was, well, and she claimed to be a Christian, well, the Bible says all kinds of things, and it contradicts itself. And you know, what I didn't say, but maybe I should have, I maybe should have said to her, can you give me one contradiction in the Bible? And I'll admit there are passages you've got to think through, like the ones we just did. So yeah, you've got to think through some of these things. But a lot of people who say, well, the Bible contradicts itself, cannot give you one contradiction because they are mouthing what they've been taught by other people. And I think we have the right to say, give me two or three contradictions in the Bible, and you will often get back, uh, well, uh, uh, uh. So you know, my belief is, if it's one Holy Spirit who, con- who, who inspired the Old and New Testaments, the Bible does not contradict itself. You have to think things through. It's, it's good to have some good Bible commentaries, but it's, it's all of one truth. But some people just don't want to accept the truth. Yeah, That's the yeah. Problem. I mean, if, and then you try to start, okay, if they can give you a discrepancy, then you explain how it's an apparent discrepancy and see if they're open to that, but sometimes they're not. Okay. Pastor Brock, why didn't Luther stay in the Catholic Church instead of leaving and starting his own church? Yeah, you get that question. I'm a Lutheran, and my dad was Catholic, my mom was Lutheran, I had a foot in both churches, but mainly my little (laughs) toe was in the Catholic Church. I got baptized there, but I was raised Lutheran. And sometimes you get from the Catholics, why didn't Luther stay in the church and try to change it from within? Why did he leave and start his own denomination? The answer is Luther did not leave the Catholic Church. He was thrown out of the Catholic Church. He was excommunicated. If anybody found him, they could kill him. That's what happened after the Diet of Worms. The the, uh, ban of the empire was put on Luther. Anybody finding him could kill him. So it's not like Luther said, let me go start my own church. It's like he was thrown out of the Catholic Church, and he continued preaching, and, and then a lot of Catholic churches went Lutheran at that point. So I guess, do Catholics and Lutherans today agree about salvation, or are we still in disagreement? In, in the, I think it was the 80s, 
The Catholics and Lutherans signed in Augsburg, Germany, a joint statement on declaration of, of justification, on how we're saved, how we're justified before God. And they, the, both parties signed it. Now, Jackie, I'm not an expert on this. Some scholars, Lutheran scholars, think that they should not have signed it because Catholics did not mean by faith what Lutherans mean by faith, nor by works what Lutherans mean by works. I'll leave that to be sorted out. We're a lot closer than we used to be. I mean, it's not like we were at war in the 1500s, so we're a lot closer on this than we used to be, but I think there's some differences still, yeah. Okay, what does the word grace actually mean? Mm -hmm. I grew up with the saying that it stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, uh-huh, yep. And literally what it means, God, grace means God's unearned favor. So when you're saying I'm saved by grace, you're meaning, look, I don't deserve this, I certainly haven't earned it, but I'm getting heaven because of Christ. That's what grace means, God's unearned favor. Okay, so then where do the Catholics and the Protestants agree, first of all? Well. In all kinds of, we all agree in one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Catholics and Protestants agree that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Catholics and, and Protestants agree that Jesus died on the cross to make atonement, substitutionary atonement for our sins. We agree that he rose from the dead. We agree he's coming back in glory at the end of time. Uh, where we disagree, um, I'm, a, I'm a Protestant, I'm a Lutheran, I don't pray to Mary, I don't pray to the saints because the Bible doesn't talk about praying to them, just to God. I don't believe in purgatory, that you go to a place after you die to have your sins uh, burned off, pur purged off. When you die, you go to heaven or hell. I don't believe in indulgences, that if you do certain things, the church has the authority to get you out of purgatory quicker, because I don't think purgatory exists. Um, what else? Uh, there are some, di some other differences, but th those are the differences and, and similarities. Okay, so what do other world religions teach about how to be saved? Yeah, Almost, well, to my knowledge, every world religion other than Christianity teaches salvation by good works. If you're a Jew, if you're a Hindu, the, the, you know, Hinduism believes in reincarnation. You come back a number of times to earth. But the way you get saved in Hinduism, you come back as a cow or you come back as a human, you get rid of all your bad karma, and then eventually you get absorbed into the nothingness that's hinduism but it's good works okay so what about some of the other world religions mm -hmm. where where are they buddhism at? would be you know you can be an atheist and be a buddhist buddhism is more a philosophy of how to overcome suffering but a lot of buddhists uh, do believe in higher powers or power and again that's a good works thing and you try to empty yourself and and you get absorbed into nirvana are there some Christian groups that believe everyone is saved? Huh. Jackie, there is a heresy in the church today called universalism that teaches everybody goes to heaven. Buddhists, Christians, Jews, you don't have to believe in Christ. Everybody goes to heaven. The problem with that is Jesus taught that he's the only way to heaven, John chapter 14. So, yeah, that heresy, it used to be just the Unitarians were universalists. Now you've got Lutherans, you know, Catholics, Presbyterians that believe everybody goes to heaven. That's not what Jesus taught. How did we fall into that, though? We, it, it began when we started to disbelieve the authority of Scripture and that the Bible is the final say on these issues. So, if someone asks you, how can I make sure I'll go to heaven, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Mm -hmm. Because most people, Jackie, 
Most people think they're getting to heaven because I think I've been good enough. And what I have to do first is preach the bad news and tell them, you haven't been good enough. You deserve hell just like I do. But if you want to be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus. He died for your sins, rose from the dead. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and the Bible says you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. It says believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's what I would tell the person. Yeah. Okay, so what would you say other world religions teach about how to be saved? Yeah, the, again, that, that would be every other world religion is a religion of good works. Islam, everything, teaches salvation by good works. Christianity says we're saved by grace alone. So... Grace is an important thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's everything. Um, we've got about two and a half minutes left, mm -hmm. and you know, every now and then it's kind of fun to do an update about sure. what's happening with our ministry. Sure. And you know, we just really appreciate the faithfulness of people that turn on this TV show and watch us on a regular basis. Yeah, we do. And so, if I can, just kind of. Quickly, we started this show way back in 1988, and we were just on in Minneapolis for many years. Then back in 2011, we started all over the country, and we're on cable, and every, when we get more money, we add another city. So we're on all over the country on DirecTV and Dish Network, and then we're on local broadcast stations all over the Midwest, and in, now we're in Arizona and so other. So what we do is we just pray, Lord, give us what we need, and when we get enough money, we add another station. So thank you for being part of that. We wouldn't be on the air had the Lord not used you all to be generous. And in a minute, you'll see our, our website is right here, <laughs> pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows at any time at that, uh, and for free, at that website. Uh, that's where people contribute as well and support us. But just thank you for your prayers. You know, Jackie, I get mail now from all over the country, and it's just so sweet to see, Pastor Brock, I'm nine to three years old, but you preach like my preacher used to preach 50 years ago, and thank you for standing for the Word of God. And just we get so many sweet letters, and so just thanks to the people. Yeah. You know, I think, too, what's amazing to me is the number of people who run in, you run into that say they watch our show. Yeah. You know, I, it... it it takes my breath away sometimes mm -hmm. to think that, you know, from starting off as we did, yeah. I had dark hair, you had hair, had <laughs> and look at it, here we are now. Here we are, Jackie! How many years <laughs> later, and yeah, yeah. we're still doing it, and yeah. we couldn't do it without all of the support from all of you. That's right, and we've got another, what, 27 seconds. So just everybody, would you do this, if you don't mind? Before you go to bed tonight, just say a prayer for this TV show that God will use it to reach people who are lost with the saving message of Jesus Christ. A secondary reason we're on the air is we talk about heresy and false teaching in the church. My desire is to have people leave non-biblical churches and join good Bible-preaching churches. So those are kind of our two goals. So why don't you wrap her up there, Jackie? We'll see you next time at the Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. 
If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. <music>